So welcome back to Earth Like Heaven. My name is Doug Ressler, and joining me as always is... Robbie Sherry. And uh, Robbie and I are here to help you close the gap between heaven and earth in your life by learning to live like Jesus. And uh, fundamentally, Robbie, as we say every time, our fundamental conviction really is the why. The reason why we want to learn to live like Jesus is because the way of Jesus is better. Right. It's better than our way. It's better than any way that's out there in the world. Last time we were talking about the Bible, and because that's where you go to learn the way of Jesus. You mm-hmm. don't just pull it out of thin air. You go to the Bible, and there you see the life of Jesus lived out. You see the way of Jesus lived out in a multiplicity of ways. Again, 66 books, 40 authors, all those kinds of things. As we dive a little deeper into that, talk, you know, in the Gospels, of course, that's where we read about the life of Jesus. Sure. So when you first read the Gospel, I mean, you're a humanities mm-hmm. teacher, so you're an expert in this and literature oh. and all these other things. Like when you read the Gospels, or maybe you can think back when you first read the Gospel and you first read about the life of this man, what did you find compelling about Jesus? Because I think lots of people in the world today, whether they're Christian or not, find Jesus compelling. Right. I mean, I've heard, had so many people tell me, man, I love Jesus. Jesus is awesome. Not so sure about Christians. Right. That's Gandhi's but, line. Right, right. Oh, that's Gandhi's <laughs> line, right. And many others. But man, Jesus, he is something else. Right. And so tell me what you found compelling about Jesus as you encountered him in the Gospels. I think going back to what we've talked about several times, the idea of, of intellectual honesty, mm-hmm. even, even reading about... Jesus, I had to ask myself, what am I looking for here? Hmm. And one of the things I lay before my students is always this idea of like, do you believe George Washington existed? Yeah. And inevitably they say yes. Right. And I say, well, why? And, you know, they want to pull out a dollar bill. And I go, well, that's not a photograph. Right. As much as you'd like to think, they didn't say, smile, George, Uh, try to close the wooden teeth a little bit. Yeah, right, right, right. They've never seen George Washington. There's no footage of George Washington. There's no no film of George Washington. There's no no any depiction other than most people have seen about three paintings of him. One of them's on the dollar. One of them's in the White House, right? And one of them's of him crossing the Delaware. Delaware, baby, come on. That's it. Yeah. And I you know, well... We know that George existed because of what other people wrote about him. Yeah, people wrote about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, there's Mount Vernon. Well, yeah, there's the Sea of Galilee. There's Israel. Right? There's, uh, yeah, you, right? Like yeah. if you go right. geographical or if you go writings or I would just like to know mm-hmm. why you feel like you've got a greater trust in the idea that George Washington existed over Jesus because there's more historical evidence collectively that a man a Jewish rabbi walked the planet 2,000 years ago than there is that a six foot four guy named George who apparently was a good dancer Mm -hmm. uh, was president he was a good dancer apparently that's an Eric Metaxas line apparently the ladies sought to dance with George Washington at balls and stuff so it's I had to ask myself, okay, who, who, like, why am I reading this? Yeah. Is it because it sounds, we say read about Jesus. It'd be like asking for some people, read, read about the real Santa Claus, mm-hmm. you know, and so the North Pole. And so I, I just tried to just step back and go, I'm going to read this as a piece of literature. Hmm. And, you know, it starts with this genealogical record. And if you read in, in different gospels, you get one through right. Mary's side, right. one through Joseph's side, right. which even that's, 
pretty absurd in ancient yeah. literature that women would be celebrated. For sure. So Christianity just slaps you in the face right away and says, yeah, most there's of the world... There's something different about this guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah like you're going to go through... And in his line, there's, you know, prostitutes and yeah, right. there's just some grittiness to Jesus' right, background. Right. So, you know, okay, this Christmas story erupts. And if you read the Christmas story for yourself, one of the things that jumps out to me is how every person along the way is filled with awe. If you mm. just look for the word awe, it's the shepherd's experience, awe. Elizabeth experiences awe. Zechariah. I mean, everybody is awe-filled in this thing. And I, I remember reading that and going, when was the last time I was so overwhelmed with something that mm. I went, Whoa, like I right. was just stunned? And right. we read it like it, well, it happens every year. Right. So like, why should we surprise? And oh, here come right. the angels again. Of, right, course right, the right, right. of course the shepherds are going to run and tell people what they heard. Like, no, 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 no. Uh, the shepherds just got told that what you do doesn't matter anymore. Right. No one needs to kill sheep for the right. wrong that they've done. There's, there's this baby that's been born yep. that eliminates your profession, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And so you read that, and then you read about these this poor couple who raises this kid. And I think the Bible's meant to be read with, I like to read it with imagination. I mean, yeah. it often doesn't talk about smells, right. and it often doesn't talk about sound. But when you think about this this carpenter, I've, I've been to Nazareth. Nazareth is a is a nothing town to this day. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I mean, it's a little bigger than it was back then, of course. A little, yeah, because of all the you know, tourists. Right, but, but, but I it's, mean, it's, it's still yeah. not... Right. not much and to see this this life that this guy lives and then he comes and he starts teaching these i think what i love about jesus's teaching is is it's so gentle and yet he doesn't he doesn't compromise on the truth hmm. like john talks about um he came to declare this truth in love and ideally that's what we all strive for i right. i stink at the love side of things sometimes hmm. you know it's like I'm just going to tell you the truth. You right, know? right, right. And it's going to sting, and I don't care. But Jesus has this, I mean, you read these stories of him encountering a woman caught in prostitution, and they drag her, and the sense is like they caught her in the act. I don't know if she has time to wrap a sheet around her. And people are just challenging her, like, hey, you know, the law says, and if you claim to be this Messiah guy, you ought to know this. We're supposed to stone right. her. Like, what should we do? And I'm, I always think, like, man, I would just go full-on John Wick on these people. And <laughs> Jesus just kind of goes, huh, he kneels down, writes something. We don't know what he writes. But he gets down on her level. Gets down he on her identifies level. with her, oh, not, yeah. not the accusers, yeah. right? Write yeah. some things. People says That's the right. oldest to the youngest drop right. their stones and they're all right. ready to just... Cru- yeah. And he looks they're up so again. so eager to kill this yeah. one, right? And he is just like... You, you almost get like, you wondered, like, did he have a, like a baffled look on yeah, his like, face? What, like, what why heck? are you guys so eager and he asked to me, kill like, this one? And if you caught her in the act, where's the dude? Right, yeah. Where, yeah. <laughs> right, Dude's okay. also got a stone. He's whistling <laughs> right, in the back. Right, like, right. yeah, 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 stoner. Yeah, right, right. So then he says, you know, like, you know, is there no one left to condemn you? She says, no one, yeah. sir. And he goes, well, then I don't either. But then he tags it with this. Yeah. Hey, don't do that anymore. Right. So he, he walks this this incredible line of just... Here's the truth. I'm not going to compromise on that. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to do it in such a loving way that you're going to be compelled to follow me. I think of his encounter with... Well, but before you go off of that, I mean, sorry, that, sorry. That, no, that's exactly right. And, and so what he's, what he's doing there, right, is he is offering her a better way. Yeah. It's not that it's like, don't do this anymore. Like, like 
It's not about what you, you know, so many people, I think when they think the way of Jesus, I've heard this so many times from people when you tell them, hey, like Jesus is here to offer you a better way. They, their mindset is that if I follow the way of Jesus, it's going to mean all these losses in my life, right? right? I'm going to have to instantly give up this go. and give up this and give up this. Here's a woman caught in prostitution. Do you think she's actually experiencing a the way of Jesus or... of as loss? You think she wants to be a prostitute? Of course no. not. So when Jesus goes to her and says, hey, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more, or go and pursue the life that you're pursuing no more, she's going to experience that as gain. Right. Because what she is coming from is a life of pain and a life of suffering and a life of oppression and a life of degradation, all these things, right? And what Jesus is there to offer her is a completely different way, a life of dignity and purpose and purity and holiness and righteousness and beauty and all of those kinds of things. And he's offering it to this woman who, like you said, was like caught in the act on some level. That's what the Bible seems to suggest on some level. Yeah. And I think that's what Jesus offers us as well. I know it is, right? And right. and so when we think about, like when I talk to people about this stuff, one of the things similar to you, I go back and say, well, number one, like let's acknowledge just sort of something that we don't often t- stop to acknowledge. And that is, we are talking about a way of life that was lived out in history. It's historical. It's historical. Jesus yeah. actually came and lived this life. So he's not asking us to do anything that he himself was not willing to do. You go to any other religion, and I've studied a bunch of them, right? right. And a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times, the life that they that religion is putting forward is like a mythical life. It's a life that not, has never really existed. It's aspirational. It's 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 wishful thinking on some level. It's like, yeah, do everything you can to aspire to this level, but we know that you're not really going to get there. I remember talking to a Muslim imam years ago, great friend of mine, uh, Imam Amatazim, when I was working in a prison. He was the Muslim chaplain. I was one of the Protestant chaplains. We dialogued about this all summer long, and we would have these discussions, great discussions. He was respectful. I was respectful. became good friends. And fundamentally, what it came down to was, I said, okay, so for the Muslim way of life, which actually is not all that altogether dissimilar from the Christian way of life, by the way, but the Muslim way of life, I said, fundamentally, like, Imam Amata, you're going to do your best. You acknowledge you won't do it perfectly. And at the end of the day, you're you're just hoping that Allah will forgive you. Doesn't I mean like cork like on you. like you're yeah. just hoping. You because there's there's no mechanism for grace in Islam. It's just you're just hoping. Right. And I said that that's the that's the key difference right there. I don't have to hope. I'm going to aspire, I'm going to live, I'm going to do what I can to follow Jesus as faithfully as possible. And the great news of the gospel is that I, I'm going to do my best, but I'm doing it out of gratitude for what God has already done for me. He's already achieved my salvation. Right. So I, I'm not doing it to earn it. I'm not doing it to, to, to try and earn my way into God's favor. I'm not trying to earn my way into Allah's favor. I, I, am, I am doing it because God already has shown me favor. He has sent his only son to die on a cross. It was a wonderful conversation. And he and I both joked about how we're trying to convert each other, you know, all yeah. summer long, you yeah. know, and all that kind of stuff. But it was really the contrast of the two ways. One way has a starting point with Christ that we live from. Mm-hmm. The Muslim way starts with us in an attempt to sort of live towards 
Allah's will. Right. It's two very different ways, although they look very similar when you lay them side by side. Yeah, don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery. Like a lot of the ethics are the same, mm-hmm. but it's two fundamental starting places and two fundamental, two fundamentally different starting places, two fundamentally different ending places on some level. And that I found, so when I talk to folks, that's what I always point out is I just say, look, when we're talking about the way of Jesus, we're talking about a way that begins in Christ continues in christ and then ends in christ like like that it's not just an ethical system i guess is my point right yeah and i think that that's it's so critical because when i mean i remember thinking well why is why should i become a christian yeah why not become a mormon right or why not the the town which i grew up there were there are a lot of mormons that was kind of my i mean Mm -hmm. i had some jewish friends had some mormon friends um had a couple uh, Hindu friends, and it, w- it was kind of this, are they all pretty much the same? They've all got right, like some right, old text. It's basically right, going to tell me right. that I stink as a person. Right. And if I do enough of whatever it is, if I you know wear holy underwear, or if I abstain from alcohol, or if I pray five times a day, right. or there was this, if I do whatever this God character keep the, keep the Ten requires, whatever, right, yeah. then I'll be good. But in reading the Gospels, I think... You know, so I, I mean, I had some Mormon friends, and they talk about, well, you know, this this angel Moroni ap- appears to Joseph Smith and talks about this Native American tribe that Jesus appears to later, and I'd be like, well, what tribe? And there's kind of like this, don't worry about it. Was there any evidence of this tribe? Right. No. Where are the where are the pieces of glass that Joseph Smith looked through, or like the, the special glasses they looked through to discern? Yeah, we don't have those. And even the, the guys that helped him sort of said, yeah, no, th- those don't exist. And so there were a lot of these things that I just kind of went, well, I don't understand. But you go to the Gospels, and it's like, you know, Jesus was born in Nazareth, a little town in Galilee. Yeah, and I've you been can to actually go there. I've been yeah. to Galilee. Yeah. I've seen Jericho. He was actually born in Bethlehem. But Bethlehem, yeah, yeah sorry. But he lived in yeah, Nazareth. That's yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> I forgot about right, that yeah. part. Let's go back and you a can read the town. Gospels after this episode and refresh <laughs> the story for yourself. That's right. Oh, there's, yeah. there's a... Part one. I only yeah. started in part oh, that's two. That's right. That's right. That's right. No, but those, it was important for me that geographically they were there. Yeah. And then I actually had a friend challenge me historically. Yeah. And you sit there and go, well, it, it, you know, Paul's writing about this Roman um, empire. And you know, what's really weird is there's evidence of a Roman empire. Right. Right. And there's Roman rulers and there's Caesar right. Augustus. And you know what? There's, there's Caesar Augustus. Yeah, we've and actually found a stone that had Pontius Pilate on it in Caesarea. Like right. we know the dude like, existed. He, right. yeah. he actually, yeah. so that, that yeah. compelled me. And then you start yeah. reading these teachings and they're, they're not the ethical prescription that I thought they would be, right. to be honest. I mean, Jesus has this, uh, Matthew, who's one of his disciples records, uh, in, in the fifth chapter, we've numbered the chapters since then, but this idea of the sermon on the Mount, yeah, right. And, I, I think what I find compelling, Jesus has a few of these moments where he's he's given a sermon, if you will, he's preaching, and he says things like, now, I know you've heard it said this, right. but I tell you this. Um, and it's everything from like, I know that you know not to murder, but I tell you, if you look at someone with hatred in your heart, you're guilty of murder, basically. Right. He sets this incredible bar. Those were compelling to me, and then I think more than anything else, though, are his interactions with the people he encounters. I think of the woman at the well. I think of the rich young ruler. I think of uh, the man. There's a, a paralytic who's lowered by a mat yeah, down right. in a house that he's teaching in. And 
and all there's there's a guy who's crippled at the pool of Bethesda yeah. and and all of these people as you're reading as we are wont to do with like like if you pause any Avengers movie and ask someone even their first time saying like yeah. what do you think's going to happen next most people go well somehow they're right. going to reconvene right. and and, right. and overcome this right. this evil force and then they're going to oh but have you seen the last one right. like there's no no okay but for the most part right. 19 of the 25 avenger movies or something Seriously. follow the same script so you read with anticipation in the gospels like oh here comes jesus going to backhand this person and chastise because that person doesn't and Every single time I remember reading this and going, no way. Mm -hmm. And I think to your point, you say these, these other faiths, it's this checklist of what, what to do with this blind faith or hope that Allah or this unnamed God is going to hopefully forgive you and, and invite you into this eternal paradise. But with Christianity, this idea that mm -hmm. the historical figure of Jesus hung on a cross 2,000 years ago the book of Genesis says that God knows this from the beginning, from the first right. sin. Like Jesus is like jumping up and down. You know, you imagine God going, now who's going to be the person to reconcile? Right. And it's like this eager puppy that she's going, me, 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 me. And God goes, yeah, that's what I have planned. And, and Jesus does this with the full knowledge mm. of everybody who's lived on the planet before him, everybody who's going to live on the planet after him. He knows their names, the book of Psalms would say, and he knows each of our sins yeah. specifically. And the idea that Robbie Sherry's sin in the year 2022 was, was forgiven on a cross yeah. 2,000 years ago so that when I became a Christian in around 1988 or so, that I was in that moment, already forgiven for sins I had yet to commit, yeah. that was this incredible, just right. mind-blowing idea. And it's, yeah, you can take that as license to do whatever the heck you want. Mm -hmm. But I think what people learn in reading the Gospels is that's, that's not the way of Jesus. Well, it's not the way of Jesus, and it's actually not what really happens to people whose hearts have been right. changed by Jesus. Because everything you're talking about is not a, just, a, again, it's not about ethical just about ethical commitments, although ethical commitments are what we end up keeping. It's really about the kind of people we become. Yeah. And on the, and on the one side, like, I, that's what grieves me so much, right? About, you know... Ethical commitments grieves you? No, <laughs> no, no. About the reputation of the church. Right. Right? Because so many... So many people look at the church or they look at Christianity and whether whether it's because of what they see in the news or because of, you know, um, the the very public moral failings of pastors or whatever it is. Right. And I've had several colleagues who've had moral failings and it's devastating because everybody on some level, even if you're not a Christian, like the reason why we have such a problem with that, why mm -hmm. society has such a problem with that is because these are people who claim to follow this particular way of Jesus, which means we have expectations for them and the kind of people they are, and now they're doing this thing over here, and, it, and the disconnect between that, the hypocrisy between that, just drives us crazy. That grieves Absolutely. me. Absolutely. But to me, it, it, it grieves me, and yet at the same time, it shows me this deep, deep hunger 
in the hearts of every single person, whether you're a Christian or not. We all want to believe right. deep down that this way of Jesus really does exist. There are a people that actually follow him and that these are some of the best people in the world today. These are some of the most servant-hearted people, mm-hmm. most, you know, the, like good, truly good people. And not that, I mean, you can be good without Jesus. We all know that. But but, but that these people, these people are like exceptional people. They give and they serve and they love and they, you know, like that's what our hearts like hunger for on some level. I think that's why the world has such a problem when the church becomes hypo- full of hypocrisies because they just are devastated by the loss of, on, on some level, of this dream. Mm-hmm. That, that the church is proclaiming to the world, like on the one hand, well, like, you know, I'm preaching this Sunday after Sunday. This is the dream. This is what God wants for us, right? And so then if I, if I go out and I commit adultery or something, like, like there's a sense of like, what, what just happened to the dream? Is everything you just said a lie? Right. And it's devastating. It's devastating. So I think, I, I think about that. And then I think about, again, the number of people that I do know who thankfully um, have really faithfully committed their life to Christ. They're not perfect people. They make mistakes. But, but on balance, over time, over the course of a lifetime, they really do become a different person. And the sacrifices and the way they serve and the way they give and the way they, they just you know, love others, is, it really is awe-inspiring. Yeah. I mean, you know, of course, you can look at examples like a Mother Teresa, right, for instance, right, who dedicates her whole life to the, to the poorest of the poor in Calcutta, India. But I know hundreds if not thousands of mother teresas around the world and they don't ever get the press that she got or anything like that it's not about that form it's really about serving i was talking to a good friend of mine this was a couple years ago and he's he really struggles with the hypocrisy of christians you know and so he's always banging on me about that and you know what about this doug and he cites me example after example and unfortunately they are they really are legion i mean you can go right down a list right and i said you know but i said but you know that I said, the thing that you don't look at and you're, you seem unwilling to look at is the many, many, many more examples that are out there of people who actually do take this seriously or the many examples throughout history. Yeah, you can point to the Inquisition right. as like an h- incredibly horrific, dark time in the life of the church. Or you can point to the Crusades or any number of things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Those things are there. We shouldn't run from those things. We got to own those things without a doubt. But for every Inquisition... There, there's 2,000 years of history now. There's a John Newton. Yeah, of people who are so faithful and so true. And, I mean, the slave trade ended, just to your point about John Newton, because William Wilberforce yeah. was a Christian and was guided by Christian convictions and spent a lifetime, dedicated his life to, to the slavery. abolition yeah. of this horrific practice. It was a Christian who did that. And people might say, well, I mean, if it wasn't him, it would have been someone else. Maybe. Maybe it hadn't happened hadn't up until happened. that point. <laughs> right, exactly. So, I mean, let's at least acknowledge that, right? I mean, if you're going to like bash Christians for this thing over here, you got to give them credit where credit is due, right? Or I think about the number of, you know, I, I, I'm always blown away and just stunned, right? We've, we've seen some horrific events on our own, in our own country over the years of, you know, I think about the, the, the members of the, of the African American community who were shot and killed in the church in AME, that AME mm-hmm. Zion Church, you right. know, in South Carolina. Yeah. And in the aftermath of that, the number of congregational members of that particular church who came out and said that they offered the shooter forgiveness mm. rather than vengeance. I mean, you can't do that. 
unless your heart has been changed. And in fact, some people were highly critical of them, like they were offering cheap forgiveness. But for them, no, this, this wasn't cheap. Right. This was costly. But because their hearts had been changed by Christ, they could do that. Those are some of my heroes. I mean, yeah. and, and I just think that that's a, a stunning display. So I think you have the Bible and the stories it tells, and then you have the lives of the people who are impacted by the Bible and the stories that they tell, right, even after 2,000 years. And again, it, it's not all glorious stories. Some of them are pretty heartbreaking stories, but, but they are these stories nonetheless, these testimonies nonetheless, down to the ages of people whose lives have been changed by Jesus because they have sought to follow the way of Jesus. And by following the way of Jesus, they have become a different people. And, um, and that, I think, gives credibility to really what we're talking about. You know? And again, yeah. I think even in the hearts of a lot of, of people who are not Christian, or people who have walked away from Christianity, or people who have walked away from church, they're still deep down. Gosh, this hunger and thirst. I'll, I'll close with this story, and then we'll, we'll move on. But I had a professor in seminary. His name was Diogenes Allen. Oh. Isn't that a cool name? You know, like the best name ever? That. Diogenes. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Diogenes Allen. And um, he was a pastor up in uh, Northeast, and you know, at one point in time before he was a professor at Princeton. And um, he, he would relate a story, a very famous story in one of his classes. He told it, I think, every year, but he's, he's passed away now, unfortunately. But he was an amazing professor. And he said, you know, what? one time he had a, an older gal in his congregation who, um, she stopped coming to church. And so his church was small enough, he kind of noticed that she had stopped coming. And so he went and visited her. And um, so he went and visited her. And she, she, told her all the, he, she told him all the reasons that she had just sort of lost her faith. Like she mm-hmm. just could not believe anymore. And now Diogenes Allen was, I mean, his sort of area of expertise, one of his areas of expertise was apologetics. So, right? So you would expect an apologist sort of launch into all the arguments. Here's all the reasons. For and reasons why right. and da 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 and kind of, and of course he's a Princeton guy. So like, I mean, he's, we're talking about a highly intelligent, like he could have like argued or could have answered every objection she possibly could have in any number of different ways. But you know what he did? Instead of doing any of that, he just looked at her and he said, but let me just ask you this. Do you wish it were true? And she was like, well, of course I wish it were true. And he goes, that's enough. Why don't you come on back and we'll explore it together. Yeah. I thought that was brilliant. Somebody's... And amazing. Got a little practice. Right. Yeah. And I've always been just stunned by that answer because I do think he was tapping into something deep in the heart of every single person, again, who either is not a Christian or has walked away from Christianity or walked away from the church. Deep down inside, we wish it were true. 100%. And that's really what we're talking about. And so, again, we'll be exploring this. And so please keep listening as we dive deeper into these topics and, again, questions and dialogue about these things. And thanks, Robbie, for being here and and doing this with me, man. And we'd love your comments or reviews, of course, um, on the the platform of your choice, whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast. Please subscribe to stay tuned as we drop more episodes of Earth Like Heaven in the weeks ahead.